I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. Ah! Sorry, gang. Oh, my God. We're totally getting a noise complaint before the end of this season. Oh, my God. But, oh, my God. Uh, Y'all... Guess what just happened to these people? Ooh, ooh, what happened, Kelly? What happened? Oh, nothing except professionally trained journalist Molly Sanchez <laughs> got to interview Yalin Chang, the writer of Handmaid's Tale Season 2, Episode 10, The Last Ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. And she it was- also wrote Other Women as well. Yes. Uh, and she wrote for <laughs> Pan Am and Supergirl and ER and all kinds of stuff. Oh, she went to Yale? Yeah, she went to Yale. Oh my God, she's literally living the dream that I had for myself when I was like 19 years old. I was like, maybe I can go to Yale. Yeah. But then I got married instead. Well, her (laughs) wedding was written up in the New York Times wedding section. So she's she's living. Really living everybody's everybody's best life. Anyhow, uh, so Yalin Chang uh, wrote season two, episode 10, and she also wrote the episode Other Women. And we got to get on the phone with her and... It was a game changer, honestly, because as you know, we had our reservations about certain parts of that episode, and I just really feel like she is so intelligent and clearly was thoughtful about Mm this. And so she really turned me around. Or, yeah, me know. too. Well, and um, just to clarify sort of the way this got formatted, this is our first foray into the telecoms mm-hmm. situation with recording with people. So Molly conducted the interview. We're going to figure out, hopefully in the future, a way to have both of us on the call. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was sitting right here with the spare earbud in my ear geeking out. So I love how there was a second when you thought that like you were just going to go in the other room and like do work. I know. I was like, oh, you could just be in here. And then I was like, what'd she say? Well, actually, because what got me... Well, okay. Well, okay. Let's play... The interview, the interview and then we'll talk about some things and some things that we changed our mind about and things that we're squeeing over still hi ellen thank you so much for talking to me today i really appreciate it oh well thanks for talking to me too i really enjoy your podcast it's oh, uh, really smart and fun <laughs> i can't believe that i can't believe that you've listened to some of it that's awesome Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, I'm particularly interested in, of course, like, those that's on the episodes that I write, but I'm, I think you say smart things about, about all of the episodes. It's really, oh. uh, it's fascinating. And it's great to have people really, you know, pay attention and offer really smart reflections on it. Well, shucks, we try to do a little bit of that. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, you make it easy. <laughs> I'm just curious, uh, like, where are you guys and how did you come to this, to doing this podcast? My friend Kelly and I, we are stand-up comedians who uh, live in the Bay Area. I live in San Francisco. She lives in Oakland. And, you know, we were always the girls at the party who would, like, sneak off to, like, shriek about the books that we liked. So uh, one of those books is The Handmaid's Tale. So we just started this podcast to shriek about it through more people. So that's our bag. We're in Oakland, California right now. Got it. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Well, I know you only have about 20 minutes, so I only have five questions for you. We'll see what we get to. Um, again, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Fire away. <laughs> Woohoo. Okay, great. So I want to know, what is the Handmaid's Tale writer's room like? I know I did a little bit of a deep dive on your Twitter today, and I saw mention of fidget spinners 
and all kinds of stuff. So I just want to know, like, when you're writing a show that's so heavy like this, what is the day-to-day, like, office process of writing that like? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it's funny. Whenever anyone comes to visit us in the writer's room, (laughs) they are, like, shocked, shocked, because (laughs) they're like, we expected you guys to be so dark and bleak and depressed, and it's actually, like, I have to say, just one of the happiest writer's rooms I've ever been in. <laughs> no way. Wow. And I don't know, maybe it's that we're, we were, like, channeling all the dark stuff out. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there is sort of this, um, uh, there's uh, this sort of cliche about writer's rooms that, like, comedy writer rooms are the ones that are, like, really dark. <laughs> and they can, like, drama writer's room, the heavier the drama, the, like, lighter the room. And ours mm-hmm. is a pretty lighthearted room. And I think it's just because we have to... Um, you know, like personally, I, I have to say it's the warmest, kindest room. It's a very safe room. And it kind of has to be a safe room for a show like this because you really have to, um, you know, be willing to open yourself up and be vulnerable. And um, someone once said to me, like, cut a vein in this room because it is pretty dark material, you know. But, yeah. Um, but there's, like, a lot of joking and a lot of, like, sweetness <laughs> in our room. And, yeah, it is, it's, it's really great. It's really great. And it's really set. The, it's Bruce Miller who really sets the tone for it because he is just oh, a yeah? really lovely, lovely guy. And he, you know, sets it up where we're all pulling together in the same direction. And we're really a team. And there's no fighting. There's no infighting. There's no political Yes, there's no backstabbing, none of that. It's just a room where we're all trying to do the best job we can absolutely do, and that is unfortunately more rare than you would hope. <laughs> right. Uh, can I ask, what are what's the snack situation? What are the snacks like? Oh, um, they're good. We Actually, last season we had the snacks in the room, and so there was a big sort of <laughs> we're all over like this season we're not going to have the snacks in the room and we actually moved offices and we have like a kitchen so the snacks are there oh. so I think it'll make things easier because the snacks are of course amazing and delectable and yeah. you know like uh, you know chocolate and chips yeah. and you know today we had cupcakes because it was our you know brilliant researcher JC's birthday yeah yeah that's good well it it is there is something very like charming about thinking of you guys with like a handful of m&ms being like so this is the part where they beat someone unfortunately (laughs) anyway peanut m&ms are better so it's just now i have a a visual of that no yesterday in the room i said someone did something and i was like you know i I don't know if that's too depressing. I think that's too depressing. Nice. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's a perfect segue, actually. <laughs> Kelly and I, we have, um, we're lucky enough to have screeners. So we're about an episode ahead of what's airing. And so we just finished, uh, watching episode 10, which you wrote. And so we, we had some questions specifically about that. Can you walk me through sort of the process of writing this episode in particular? Yeah, let's see. So I I had this idea that we do uh, false labor. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you start the episode and you think, oh, I know this episode. It's like birthday, the birthday episode <laughs> last year where it was like, oh, this is the episode where June gives birth. And you're expecting, you know, what you're expecting is, there's going to be, the season finale is going to be June giving birth, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what the TV shows would do. 
And so, um, so we start the process, and we have all the pomp and circumstance, and you call all the wives and the commanders over, and you get lots of flowers, and Rita's like all psyched <laughs> in their elements, and then it doesn't happen. And Offred mm-hmm. is totally humiliated, Serena and Commander, and in their very, you know, uh, whatever, dastardly way, they're like, Offred, yeah. you know, enjoyed it. She didn't want to let them in. <laughs> you know, like, as if now suddenly Offred has, in situations where they want to blame her, suddenly for the first time she has agency over her own body, you know, and she's not letting that baby go, as if you can control that. Um, so I, we'd sort of been, I'd sort of been mulling over that, and then mm-hmm. Bruce said, I think we should do the, I think Hannah and June should meet, and he said that I think it can happen in episode 10. So suddenly I knew, I knew the end of the episode. I knew that Mm -hmm. Hannah and June would have this reunion. Didn't know what shape it would take, but knew um, that that would happen and that would trump everything. And so then, um, really the guiding light for us in the room and in constructing all these episodes is to do what we think is most is to tell the truest, most honest story about what would really happen given who these characters are at that point of time in that context. And for Serena and Joy and Fred, all they want after they're humiliated is to get the baby out. Let's get the baby out. And so there's a way in which, like, you know, the doctor refuses to induce and what an OB will always tell you towards the end of your pregnancy, if you want the baby to come out, then a good natural way to do it is to have sex. So hmm. they land on that. Um, you know, it becomes this really awful yeah. scene, which Serena and Fred are not expecting. And Fred, I think, you know, once it's over, realizes mm-hmm. that feels terrible about it and is up all night you know, feeling regretful, feeling guilty. It's very uncomfortable. He doesn't like feeling guilty. So he decides to solve that problem. And, you know, um, by giving Offred what she's been asking for all season, which is a Mm -hmm. meeting with Hannah. So it's sort of like dominoes falling, where from the Mm -hmm. very beginning of the false labor to the, through the rape scene, through the Hannah scene, it's like one thing leads to another and, you know, couldn't, things can fall another way once you sort of set that one domino in motion. Um, another way I sometimes think of the show, especially this episode, is that, mm. you know, there are other shows like, you know, like if you thought about like a broadcast network character-based sort of living room drama, like mm-hmm. you've seen this on TV before where, oh, my God, I'm, you know, Oh, I have Braxton Hicks. Oh, I can't wait for mm-hmm. the baby to come. Oh, what can we do? Let's have sex. And like hijinks ensue. And I kind of think it's oh, you know, no. sort of like that kind of show in hell. So it's like parenthood in hell. You know? <laughs> wow. That, you know, that gives me such a lens to see it through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Is, is, um, so obviously that's the the rape scene is the scene that you know we we took away from that was what you saw on screen did it differ from what you wrote on the page like how much direction did you give for how that was because what i found interesting about it was that there's almost a way to watch it where you know fred and serena are having sex together because they're looking at each other's eyes the whole time almost ignoring this like being between them, and I thought that was very interesting. But I just, and of course, it was extremely unsettling. Um, parenthood and hell, 
And um, I was just wondering, is is there a sort of, was there any difference between the way you wrote it and the way it was performed? No, I mean, it was, I thought it was amazing how Jeremy directed it and how Lizzie acted it and Yvonne and Joe. It was, um, you know, that scene, if you ever look at any of our scripts, there's a lot of scene description and action description. And so I wrote about how Lizzie, um, how June is feeling in that scene, mm-hmm. and also something about how Serena and Fred are feeling. And I wrote mm-hmm. that she tries to dissociate. And she, mm-hmm. Like, at first she tries to resist it happening, and she tries, then she tries to dissociate, and it's the whole, you know, it's a mere act of copulation, like a bee is to a flower. She's repeating the separation mm-hmm. of like over the beginning of the episode, and um, she's just been out of practice. You know, she just mm-hmm. hasn't done it in a while. Um, and... So it made sense to me that she would resist, and she is too much, like, she doesn't dissociate until late. So mm-hmm. she sort of doesn't do Serena, Joy, and Fred the favor of dissociating and lying there mm-hmm. constantly like she's been trained to do. And she doesn't do us, the viewers, the favor of doing that either. You know, I mean, I mm-hmm. felt like it's, it is true, since she's not expecting it and she didn't prepare for it, the most truthful re- reaction from her would be to fight back. Um, mm-hmm. And the other way to write it, where if she just lay there, like the other ceremonies that we've had, where she's totally passive and not mm-hmm. resisting, that to me, for this character at this point, where she has so much of June in her, that that would be, my feeling was that that, that would be like a cop-out. Mm-hmm. It's not what would really mm-hmm. happen. And what I wanted to write was what would really happen. So it was, um, you know... It was definitely the, the way the scene played out is how I intended it to play out, and it's even um, more intense and visceral, you know, <laughs> than I had been able to write. Um, but also, it was important to me about how, to show how, in a way, it's the most honest ceremony because I know mm. it's incredibly brutal and hard to watch. Oh. But. Mm-hmm. Um, what I wanted to make clear is that every ceremony is brutal and terrible, and it should be hard to watch because it's a, it's, it's, it's a rape, and it's always been rape. And so what you see on screen this time is what's going on for the yeah. handmaids. They're being really, they're being violated. And mm-hmm. um, they, this time we're just not going to let you off the hook at knowing how terrible it is for them. So if this scene sort of reminds you or mm-hmm. how terrible rape is, it makes you experience it more viscerally, then that's, um, then in some ways it's like the goal is accomplished, you know. Um, it's sort of, it's a scene that says, you know, what did you think was happening all the time, mm. you know. Yeah. And it's just, Gilead is totally built on misogyny. The history of misogyny is fundamentally, like, all about control over women's bodies. And, you know, the Gilead is based on, like, Offer doesn't own her body. It's Serena, Joy, and Fred who own her body. They own her mm-hmm. woman. They own her baby. And, uh, you know, it's an extension of, I wrote episode four, where Serena, Joy embraces Offer's belly. Like, the whole thing is, like, mm-hmm. there is no Offred. And, <sighs> you know, it is a, this nightmare scenario of, what would happen in a world where women don't have control and agency over their own bodies? Like, you get to something as terrible as this. Wow. Well, thank you so much for that answer in particular, because I know we, we watched this episode last week, 
And I think I, I feel like I personally have been sitting with this, especially because there's so much talk lately about, you know, is this show torture porn? And that's sort of like a phrase that we've been wrestling with. And, you know, our opinion is kind of like uh, it's a show that takes its audience very seriously and trusts them with upsetting things because, you know, it's it's important to just for all of the reasons that you said. So I really I have a whole new appreciation for that hearing you describe it. And actually, we did have a plot point that hasn't been brought up in the series that we are really like, we're just wondering where, when we can expect it, if we can. And that is, of course, the iconic scene where Alfred uh, hides butter in her shoe and then puts it on her face. Um, when is that coming? Or... Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And it's something we talk about, too. Of like, is it? You know, and, oh, yeah. And to be honest, and when I entered the room in season two, because I wasn't a writer in season one, you know, one of the cards up on the board was like, butter. Yeah, it's so great. It's so great. Oh, my and I gosh. Know you're, we're with you. We're with you on that. We're oh my gosh. at some point. <laughs> okay. Well, thank yes. you. You made all my dreams come true. We have yes. two final silly questions for you. Thank you also for being a tireless face butter advocate. We appreciate that. So we are a very, we, we try to be a smart show, but at our root, we are just two gals who are friends. And we had this idea, should we ever get to interview someone directly involved in the show, we would ask them, you know, tough questions about the subject matter. And then we would also counteract that by asking them two very silly questions. So the first of which is, what is your favorite girly movie? Oh, God. Good question. Um, Shakespeare in Love. Oh, Does that count yes. as early movies? Yeah. Absolutely, it does. Yes. <laughs> Boy, it yeah. must be so oh, yeah, hard. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. And then our last, ki- our last question is, since this is a show that deals with upsetting imagery and sort of, you know, every day I feel like we're faced with the notion that maybe Gilead is closer than we think and you know the experience of watching the show I mean unlike Shakespeare in Love this is not a romp we like to emphasize self-care for our listeners and for everybody so can you kind of walk us through your self-care routine because I imagine even as nice as that writer's room is uh, you know there might this is heavy subject material and maybe you know you need to unwind what's what's your self-care routine like Oh, God, yeah. I need to get a, a self-care routine. Yeah. You know, I have work, and I have three kids, and mm-hmm. um, so there's really, like, almost no me time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, when I can, like, the thing that I absolutely have to do is I have to exercise, so I'll try and do that once every other day. And I'll, like, do it while I'm, I'll do, like, a little video while I, you know, like, an aerobic type video while I watch, you know, like, a comedy or something on television. And that is also the only time that I really get to watch TV. It's when I'm exercising, oh. so I have to, like, multitask. But um, that is a really good question. I mean, you know, it's, like, because of the kids and the work and all that mm-hmm. stuff, it's really, um, you know, if I can sleep a full you know, eight hours, and if I can exercise, then that's, like, a good day. (laughs) That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. You definitely need some self-care. I 
I think that is so important. Yeah, I'm so excited to see what's next for this season. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you so much for, you know, being a woman of color in this industry. Right on. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Yeah, well, it's such a pleasure talking with you. I can't wait to hear your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Don't let the bastards grind you down, okay? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye now. Bye. Yo! Yo! We're going to get face butter, babies. Face butter. We are going to get it. We're going to get the face butter. It is important to them. It is. Oh, I'm so happy. Stay the course. That was when I had to pull the earbud out of my ear and I was high five. I don't know if you could tell, but I was high fiving a million angels. That was great. (laughs) That was awesome. Yeah. What a good interview. I mean, I'm not just like patting myself on the back with that. No, you were great. You were fantastic. She was so open to us. She was open to be silly, which I was, I was a little worried about like changing on a dime like that, but it worked. Yeah. I wasn't worried. People love silly. Yeah. That's why we're the number one Handmaid's Tale podcast on iTunes. There you go, baby. Wes Deason, that's audible. Hand. <laughs> High five number one of this episode. Um, so, yeah. So let's kind of unpack what she said beat by beat. I really the thing that struck me most. I mean, mine is we can talk about we can talk about face butter later. The thing that struck me most is when she says that her interpretation of that second the ceremony scene mm-hmm. in this is it is showing the ceremony for what it actually is. And yeah. it, that like changed everything. You know for what? Me. Big ups to you, Yalant, who actually also told us that she sometimes <laughs> listens to her podcast. <laughs> I was immediately not embarrassed, but just like, no, oh I no. Mean, you know, our function is to be critical, but also Yalant, we're so sorry. You the real one. Uh, yeah. We'll buy you some face butter sometime. Um, um, you can come to brunch with us and Amanda Bruegel. It's cool. Yes. Anyway, but she like out Kelly Anakin'd kelly anakin on that one really and like did. respect yeah because i you know i've been pretty hardline on like no like it has to be this way and this episode i was like mm, i don't want it to be this way and i was wrong uh rarely happens molly but i okay. am wrong yeah <laughs> well it's so interesting because just today before recording i was reading this article about um the inclusion of a sally hemmings wing in Monte- monticello mm-hmm. which is a uh, Thomas Jefferson's birthplace or his his home not his birthplace yeah. Uh, yeah, no yeah, one yeah. was born there uh, maybe listen, several uh, I just listened to Hamilton so I know what Monticello is <laughs> um, whatever the hell they are doing in Monticello is building a, a place that plays homage to Sally Hemings a slave that he either had an affair with or raped depending on I mean, who you ask think, and yeah. this article really uh, tried to untangle it because they justified why they put they put a plaque outside of the exhibit that said rape yeah and they were like well we have to wrestle with this possibility and you know you have to confront this in order to look at this exhibit and i think i'm reminded of that when talking with Mm -hmm. yalan that we're right we may have gotten desensitized that that's what this is Mm -hmm. i mean to the point of like uh, remember that like trifling i don't remember if it was a pop sugar or babe.com or whatever it was some kind of bullshit editorial it was like i think being a handmaid would be so great it's so hot oh my god and it's like if people are desensitized to this enough to think this or to make fucking handmaid's tail lingerie <laughs> like i keep hope, forgetting that that's a real thing that hopefully happens. this scene reminds them like no this is bad 
Yeah. So. And I just, you know, I mean, I think Yalin's comments stand for themselves mm-hmm. and we don't have to like belabor the point. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm going to just circle back to Thomas Jefferson real quick. My opinion there is uh, anybody who is a minor or a victim of chattel slavery can't give consent. So right. I'm not here for a debate on that. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. So, yeah. So I'm really happy that we talked to her about that. I would love to get to talk to more people. That was a dope process. I was kind of sad that I wasn't on the line when she said that her favorite girl movie was Shakespeare in Love. Because I want to be like, girl, are you just geeking out every single day of your life now? I tried to ask, but I was also overwhelmed. Oh, my gosh. I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I also think I talked a little too much because I was just excited to be having her ear. But whatever. Yeah, it's your first one. I think that uh, I am so interested in this notion that this is like the ersatz version of like a sitcom yes and i parenthood in hell yeah i'm gonna think about that because that she's right that like you know that is exactly what we were expecting is a this is the birth episode and uh, Serena Joy and Alfred share a very special moment or like and like yeah, yeah, yeah. it could the the <laughs> one with the baby that you don't get to keep like I could so yeah, see that happening. Yeah, because Gunter comes in and steals it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Gunter would. Gunter would. So Gunter's a, a gender shit. traitor though. Oh, that's true. Well, oh, oh. anyhow. Well, Gunter's up on the wall. Anyway. Um yeah, so I thought that was an interesting way. I'm going to start viewing this through that lens from now yeah. on. Yeah, and I just hope all the redheads enjoyed this little peek behind the scenes. We're going to try to get as many more of these as possible for you all. We had a blast. We sure did. I'm sure that you are also having a blast. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed this little special extra treat. And no lite, te bastardes, carborundorum. Dum, 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 dum. Get it? <laughs>